Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Tom, one of the things that really intrigued me about your training protocol is the corporate governance around it. And that's something that I don't think many compliance professionals, training professionals, and the merger of two, as in someone like yourself, really thinks about. Can you explain why that has been so important to your efforts here at General Motors? Sure. When I got here, we found that we did have a very loose governance structure around corporate required training. And we also found out that corporate required training went beyond just the traditional compliance risks that you would think of of in a training program. We had safety We had IT issues like cybersecurity. We had information lifecycle management on how to do our documents and so forth. And so we had all these courses that had bubbled up over the years into the corporate required training program, but no one had really ever taken a step back and said, what makes sense? And how can we structure this so that we refresh the training year over year? And And so the first thing I proposed was that we set up a more formalized governance structure to look at corporate required training. When you look at the amount of time that an employee takes every year to take corporate required training and you times it out, you know, 3.5 or four hours times 75 or 80,000 employees, that's quite a significant use of company resources. And so we said, let's see how we can govern this better. So we recruited the head of talent development who had the training hat for the company to sit on the training board along with our chief compliance officer. So they become the two leaders of the governance function. And we put in place a charter, simple one-page charter that said, this is what we are going to have as our scope of responsibilities for training. We're going to look at the three-year calendar. We're going to map out these courses so they're not repeated too frequently, yet they're repeated often enough that the employees get the information they need regularly. We're going to approve any new courses that come in or proposed or any new major risks that come up. And we're going to basically authorize the budget and we're going to make sure that we're coordinating this across the various risk functions. Of course, compliance can't own every risk. You've got to network with the business to determine what risks get fed into the compliance program. And so we set up the steering committee. We meet quarterly. As the lead counsel, I kind of organize it and I kind of chair it, but really the decision makers are the two leaders that I mentioned. And we bring in individuals from the different disciplines. We have safety represented, we have IT represented, we have social media represented, and of course we have the people in the compliance function that represent code of conduct and additional compliance risks. And we said, we're going to develop these courses professionally. We're going to go and get a good vendor. And we're going to build a program that looks out three to five years. And then this governance team is very useful because they then help us review the materials. They help us recruit people in other languages to review translations. It's been very helpful. And this governance team was very important when we had the recent Me Too movement that triggered us to add yet another major course to our overall curriculum. They helped us get that approved and organized and communicated well. So to have the governance in place was really the first logical step. And then from there, we were tasked to go out and build a training, what we call the training maturity continuum, which is a fancy word of looking holistically at how we're going to strategically do compliance training at GM, not just the base level online training that's required every year, but the more in-depth training. And so from the governance, that was the impetus to be more organized and structured in building out a formal program and more of a long-term vision. What should a compliance professional look for in a training vendor or 
what is the process you would suggest someone utilize in uh, considering a training vendor? Now, there's some really, really good ones out there. There's some companies out there that have been doing this for a while, and they've really kind of led the way in pioneering some of the new innovative technologies that I'm sure you'll mention. But what we did was I had worked with one vendor exclusively at my previous companies, and if I had made the choice by myself, I would have naturally gone with them. What we did, though, we decided, let's open this up and do it the way the corporate requires us to do or wants us to do, and let's have a former RFQ process. And so we brought in four very well-known vendors and looked at them. We had a committee, the governance committee, plus some stakeholders from other parts of the company look at them. We had them come out to Detroit, sat down with us, told us how they handled it. And really what I was looking for, more than just looking at what courses they offered and kind of the flashy platforms and technologies, I wanted someone who I thought was going to be a partner that I could go to and ask, you know, what are your other clients doing? What innovative technologies are coming? What are you doing in terms of mobile? What are you doing in terms of adaptive and branching technology? What are you doing in terms of keeping abreast on the latest risks? And so we really looked at it from, of course, price was one factor we looked at, but we looked at it holistically and we made a choice that we thought was going to be a a strategic partner for GM over the long term. And we looked for a vendor that was going to have flexibility in the contract such that we could make changes on the fly without feeling like every little change required an invoice and a new payment. So we looked for flexibility in the contract so that we had built-in arrangements for support from them, technical support, content support, and just basically who could give us a program at the lowest level of our program, the online level, that would be really very well professionally done. And so that's how we picked how we picked our vendor and went forward. One other thought I've heard is a vendor who can, and you may have touched on this at the very end, a vendor who can really help with the administrative side of things mm-hmm. and really use a technological approach to make that more efficient, sort of take that burden off you or your team right. and give you a cost-effective solution. Is that also valid? It is valid. At GM, we have a situation I think is pretty common to other companies where we have an internal learning management system, and it's been around for a while. It hasn't kept up with all the bells and whistles that some of these companies offer, but we also have a philosophy that we need to house this stuff inside our firewall. And so we were pretty much limited on what we could do as far as being innovative in terms of the platform selection and deployment of the courses. We had to pretty much find a vendor that could build the courses, put them into the format that would be compatible with our learning management system that we could drop on it. But then they would support us with you know custom tweaks that made it compatible with our system and so forth. So we looked at the technical skills of the company, but we also wanted to look at a company that could host it externally for our subsidiaries that aren't part of the GM corporate structure and don't have access inside the firewall. So we did have to look extensively at the technical capabilities of the vendor as well. And so we picked a vendor that could do both. They could give us the courses to just drop on our system, or we could actually host it on their platform and take advantage of some of the capabilities that they have in other situations. So we have kind of a hybrid model. Do you either utilize or even require certain key strategic partners, whether it be vendors, whether they be uh, third-party suppliers, whether they be on the sales sides of things, to go through some of the same types of training materials that GM employees go through? To the extent that we can, we do. Now, this is a whole other topic, but I've always found that target audiencing and deploying training to the right people on the right topics is the biggest challenge of a training program. It's a lot easier to develop a course, a good course, and put it out there. It's a lot harder to figure out how to audience that so that only the right people are getting it 
and you're not giving extraneous training to people who really don't need it. That's the biggest challenge. And so we've got obviously several different audiences we're concerned about at GM. One is obviously the salaried badged employees, the 75,000 people that come into the offices every day and take training and do their work here in, in the Rensen and other corporate offices. But we've also got a lot of contract workers. And these contract workers need some of the same training. They basically come in and work side by side with GM employees. And so we feel like they should have anti-harassment training because they're dealing with our employees. We think they should have workplace safety training because they're on site. We think they should have information technology, hacking, cybersecurity, that training because they're using GM systems. So we do deploy, if they have access to our LMS, we do deploy some of the training courses to them on an as-needed or as-determined basis. Some of it we leave to the managers. And of course, there's co-employment concerns and legal concerns about treating them like employees and such. So we have to carefully navigate those issues. We have people that work in factories that don't have access to these systems. We have to look at other ways. And sometimes we have to get the union involved to approve what courses they can and should take and such. And so while my focus is primarily on the corporate audience, we do have to reach out to those others and give them training on our supplier code of conduct and what's expected when you're on site at GM and so forth. But that's kind of a side focus where our primary focus is on salary. In terms of, uh, you mentioned the one, two, and three-year plans going out. Mm-hmm. How do you think through that process? Well, we want to think through in a couple of ways. One, how urgent is it that these trainings be delivered frequently without causing burnout and fatigue and people complaining that they've seen the course six times. But we also have to look at the magnitude of the risk and make a balancing decision. For example, this next year, we're going to repeat the safety training and we're going to repeat the anti-harassment training simply because those are so top of mind here at GM right now. We're going to refresh our code, of course, and we're going to refresh the other courses. But we tried to come up with a cadence that we thought would both match the appetite for the learners to absorb the materials over a certain amount of time. But also, you know, you always think in the back of your mind, what's a regulator going to think if I don't do anti-corruption training at least every other year? So you've got that outside pressure coming in as well. So some of it feels obligatory that you will repeat, you know, an anti-corruption focus at least every couple of years. So we had to balance it. But the way we came up with our multi-layered approach where we do pretty much consistent courses every year with just changes and new scenarios to a more rotational strategy for courses that are more advanced and do a deeper dive into the topics. So how does a corporation as large as General Motors uh, respond to something free for GM on a a quick basis Mm -hmm. along the lines of Me Too? I assume that that was very high profile within the organization, certainly (laughs) at the very top levels, but it would have filtrated down to someone like yourself and be charged with Right. Look, well, let's get something on this out now. And that's an interesting case study that goes to both governance and to the vendor we picked. We, like most companies, had an anti-harassment training that was given to new hires and given regularly to other employees, but it wasn't institutionalized as a required course. And so we were building out our plan for 2018, and this started back in 2017. It takes six to eight months to really build these courses and get them ready for the next year. And so we had these three core courses ready to go on January 2nd of this year when people came back from the shutdown. And literally on the Friday when I was driving home, on my ride home, my cell phone rang and it was our chief compliance officer. And he says, you've got to put in an anti-harassment course into corporate required training for 2018. And I pretty much almost ran off the road (laughs) because 
everything was already locked and loaded. The system was loaded. We were ready to launch on the second. And here it was two weeks before that. And so we thought, okay, we can do this. We went to our vendor and said, tell me what you've got on anti-harassment. They obviously had been working on this because they had demand from other companies. And we found a course that was pretty close to what we wanted, but didn't have the GM spin. It didn't have the scenarios of what happens in the factory or some of the scenarios that are typically found in a manufacturing and production environment. So what we did was said, okay, we're going to go ahead and release our three courses in January. And we're going to communicate that a fourth course is going to be coming in May to give us a runway to build that course. And then we're going to use our compliance week that we have here at GM every year in May as the focus for the rollout of the anti-harassment course. And so even though we had four months roughly to get that course done, it was still a very accelerated timetable. So we went to our vendor, we got their course, sat down with our lawyers, sat down with our representative from HR, and we came up with a markup version of that. We invented a couple of scenarios that we felt were more appropriate to GM. And on May 5th, the first of our compliance week, we launched that anti-harassment course and made that the focus of our compliance week. And by the end of May, that course had the same number of completions as the other courses did. So we did a staggered rollout. But that's how we used the flexibility of the vendor, the direction of the governance team, and our internal resources to come up with a creative solution. And honestly, that course had the most positive feedback of all the courses we've done this year. So that required cooperation across several different entities. It was actually, in hindsight, it was actually a very fun project to work on. So if you could look forward a little bit, maybe down the road, where do you see compliance training slash communications going or where would you like to see it go? We can always improve. And I believe continuous improvement is part of any compliance program generally and training specifically. To some degree, I feel like we're still kind of in the dark ages of compliance training when it comes to the online component because we're still using computer-based, sit in front of your Windows-based PC, sit down and do it for an hour and walk away and come back and do another course. We're still kind of in that mode. And that's going to continue for a while. But increasingly, we're having a demand for people being able to do it on mobile devices, whether they're traveling or whether they just like to use it on an iPad or whatever. We're having demand for it to be offline. And so in other words, they can download it and be on an airplane and not connected to Wi-Fi and take it and then to connect to the system when they get back. Um, so I think accessibility of the training is one thing that's going to really improve and change. You know, four or five, six years down the road, I don't know that the majority of our users will be sitting in front of a Windows-based PC. Maybe some will. Most people will be taking it on their iPhones or their tablets. So technologically, I see that changing. But I also see it evolving in terms of finding ways to tailor the content better to the individual learner and yet still make sure they have the same level of competencies when they're done. And so that's where I'm looking at vendors that can give me the ability to either survey the learner when they go into the course and launch it and give them a tailored presentation or some way of doing a test out capability where someone who says, you know what, I'm an attorney, I've had anti-corruption training six times, just give me a 10 question test and let me say that I can do this and not have to go through the whole 45 minute course. And so we wanna give you know, one of the founding principles is respect. And I think respect for the learner and as respecting their intelligence and their time and not making them go through the same courses and the same exact learning modules that they've done before. And so we're trying to figure out ways to make make it more tailored to the individual user. And I think that you're starting to see some really neat technologies coming out with adaptivity, with test out. And we're dipping our foot into it. A company like GM does not move program on a dime. We dip our toes into it and evolve. But two or three years down the road, I'd like to see the most of our courses more tailored to what our audience really, really needs. 
if we even started doing that, we've got very positive response saying, thank you for giving me this option to take a, a shorter course based upon my needs. I heard a, another compliance officer tell me that one of the things that she used her compliance training for was to garner a greater understanding about risks that may not be recognized or even issues that needed to be addressed that she wasn't seeing. And she pointed me specifically to the example of harassment training, where she said that most employees wanted to go report to their immediate supervisor. They preferred that to actually reporting in anonymously or using an internal reporting mechanism. But it made her realize that they had not trained middle management to Mm -hmm. receive those. And so she was able to use the data she garnered from her training and continuous improvement in her compliance program. Have you been able to use data from your training in uh, that way, or is that something that you would perhaps hope to do going forward? We want to do more of that going forward. Right now, we're very limited on what data we can extract from our learning management platform. Basically, we get when they launched it, when they finished it, and the fact that they did finish it. That's really what we get out of that system. But we can do surveys. We do a little bit of focus groups, and then a lot of just casual conversations with people that I'm familiar with in the company and networked with, saying, what can we do better? And so we're trying to get to the point where we do gather more data and then make conscious decisions on how that should influence the content. And so we want to do that better going forward as our platform evolves and as our ability to get feedback data back from our employee audience. Sean, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I want to thank you for letting me uh, come to General Motors, welcoming me and allowing me to interview you for this podcast. Thank you, Tom. Always a pleasure. And hopefully we can uh, have more such conversations in the future. All right. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.